Hello, and welcome to the podcast devoted to helping you win the race Christ has marked out for you. Over the Christmas break, I read a Facebook post that read, It's an unwed mother who carries God. It's the pagans from the East who recognized God. It's the workers in the field who hear from God. It's the marginalized neighborhood who welcomes God. It's God who chooses the broken and lowly to rise. Christmas is here. Let hope in. This description accurately describes the heart of God toward the marginalized and oppressed. The rising generation of Christians is rightly concerned about the link between Christianity and the oppression of racism. The problem is that many ideologies claiming to overthrow oppression are based upon destructive, anti-biblical worldviews. As the leaders of our homes and churches, how can we guide those under our care to oppose racism passionately, but be discerning enough to reject ideologies that are not only false, but have proven to be destructive? That is our goal as we examine critical race theory in this episode. Thanks for joining us today for Season 3, Episode 3 of Mission Focus Men for Christ. My name is Gary Yeagle. Being the leader of your home is not for sissies. Protecting others in this fallen world has more to do with watching what ideas are invading their thinking than protecting loved ones from physical harm. Guarding those under our care in 2022 is just like it was in the first century when Paul wrote, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Our job is not just to protect our loved ones from destructive thinking, but to equip them to think for themselves with a biblical perspective. The world needs men like David's mighty men of valor who understand their times to lead our homes well. So we have no alternative but to understand critical theory, a subset of which is called critical race theory. Not to load our kids' guns with bullets to argue others down in their mini skirmishes in the culture wars, but to build the maturity to wisely see through this worldview and winsomely point out its deficiencies. So let's get an overview of critical theory. Critical theory is a way that some in our culture try to explain and confront power structures. To understand critical theory, we need to understand its two primary claims. Number one, everyone can be divided into two groups, those who have power and those who don't. Number two, those who have power always oppress those who don't. How do we know who the oppressed are and who the oppressors are? According to critical theory, the categories of oppressed and oppressor are based on your group identity. Membership in categories of race, gender, religion, immigration status, income, sexual orientation, and gender identity determine whether we are oppressed or one of the oppressors. Of course, someone could be part of the oppressed group in one way, but one of the oppressors in another way. 
That is where the concept of intersectionality comes from. Intersectionality seeks to measure someone's level of oppression based on how many of these oppressed groups they identify with. For example, a black man is less oppressed than a black woman, but a straight black woman is less oppressed than a black lesbian. In critical theory, the degree to which you are oppressed determines your level of moral authority. The more categories of oppression someone identifies with, the more weight their words should have. As a result, the perspective and experience of a gay black woman is more valuable than the perspective of a straight white man, regardless of whether what they say corresponds to reality or not. The only way that members of an oppressor group like straight white males gain moral authority is to become woke. That is, becoming an activist who embraces critical theory's worldview. Also, the more oppressed someone is, the less they are morally responsible for their actions. We see this worldview expressed when looting and vandalism is excused in inner-city neighborhoods. What about the history of critical theory? Critical theory traces back to Karl Marx's view of history as class conflict and parallels his view of animosity between the oppressed proletariat workers and the oppressor bourgeoisie business owners. He defined capitalism as the exploitation of the masses and predicted that the workers in the industrialized nations would revolt and overthrow the capitalist establishment. Marx died in 1888. Though his ideology led eventually to the bloody Bolshevik Revolution in 1917 in Russia and execution of millions of landowners by Mao Zedong in the 1950s, this revolution that Marx predicted never took place in the industrialized West. Why not? Later, one of Marx's followers, Antonio Gramsci, writing in the 1920s and 30s, provided an explanation for why this revolution never took place. It was the fault of cultural hegemony. The word hegemony is normally used of nations that exert dominance, authority, or influence over other nations. But Gramsci applied this term hegemony to the capitalist establishment who, he argued, unjustly gained cultural power and dominance not just economic dominance, as Marx argued, and has victimized everyone else. Gramsci defined cultural hegemony from Marx's class warfare perspective as this, domination or rule maintained through ideological or cultural means. It is usually achieved, listen to this, through social institutions which allow those in power to strongly influence the values, norms, ideas, expectations, worldview, and behavior of the rest of society. The oppressed worker that Marx predicted would revolt against capitalism didn't because that worker was also oppressed by cultural hegemony. By the way, have you ever wondered why women who outnumber males in the world are considered a minority? Because women are not seen as part of the cultural hegemony. 
But cultural hegemony in U.S. culture is based on unjust patriarchy. The cultural hegemony in our society is white, male, heterosexual, cisgender, able-bodied, non-poor, and born in the USA. Everyone who is that is part of the privileged oppressive class and corresponds to Marx's hated bourgeoisie. Everybody who is not that, which corresponds to Marx's proletariat, is a victim of the cultural hegemony, including especially racism, established by the privileged class and therefore ought to be at war with them. Does that sound familiar? Critical theory was furthered by a group of German philosophers in the 1930s known as the Frankfurt School. In 1935, these cultural Marxists moved to Columbia University in New York City. Their goal has been to overturn the cultural hegemony, which, by the way, includes the influence of Christianity. Their goal in shaping the culture is to control the quote-unquote robes of society, judges, professors, and pastors at that time, and also to gain political power through identity politics. As we lead our homes further into the 21st century, we need to first help the rising generation evaluate this teaching biblically and then give some ideas about how to winsomely argue against this anti-biblical and destructive worldview in the secular arena. So let's begin by putting a biblical lens over critical theory that we would share with our Christian kids. First, Scripture does validate the intent of Christians who support CRT, though definitely not CRT's ideology. Christians ought always to be concerned about the oppressed. James 1.27 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. This exhortation is not because widows and orphans are more important than widowers and children, but because they are most likely to be exploited. One of the first trips that Jesus made early in his ministry was to Nazareth, his hometown, where he confronted the elders of the synagogue, many of whom were the fathers of childhood friends and likely his uncles, over their racism toward the Gentiles many of whom lived just five miles away in the Roman town of Sepphoris. Luke tells us that these elders were so angry that they tried to throw Jesus over a cliff. Majority culture racism was repugnant to Jesus. He constantly affirmed the value of despised Gentiles. We ought to be praying, Lord, search my heart and show me the majority culture biases that shape my opinions of those outside my tribe. Give me compassion for those unlike me. Christians also need to recognize that institutional racism exists. Institutions are shaped by fallen humans. The U.S. Constitution, approved by our forefathers, considered a black slave to be three-fifths of a white man for determining representation in the House of Representatives and then denied him the right to vote for himself. Christians must freely admit the sins of Christians and churches embracing both slavery and the Jim Crow laws that followed the Civil War. Also, aspiring to diversity in our churches is a godly virtue. 
Theologian Herman Bavinck argues that the image of God is far too rich to be fully realized apart from those of every tongue and tribe and nation. He writes, the image of God can only be displayed in all its dimensions and characteristic features in a humanity whose members exist both successively, one after the other, and contemporaneously side by side. Only humanity in its entirety as one complete organism summed up under a single head spread over the whole earth, only it is the fully finished image, the most telling and striking image of God. Fortunately, the rising generation passionately wants to correct the church's past racism, but that very passion can lead them to naively embrace critical theory. So let's examine it biblically. First, critical theory offers a wrong view of human personhood. It argues that our identity is rooted in categories like race, gender, income, economic status, all features that differ from one another and become the basis for hostility toward one another as oppressors or those who are victims of the oppressors. Scripture, to the contrary, bases human identity upon all being made in God's image. That truth gives all individuals worth and dignity, no matter what subcategories he or she belongs to. The biblical worldview leads to harmony, respect for others' ideas, and justice. In contrast, critical theory deliberately fuels class warfare and reverse racism. And we need to help the rising generation see this. Next, critical theory teaches a wrong view of oppression. Oppression is not the result of being born into privilege. Nowhere does the Bible teach the Marxist class division and warfare that is the basis for so-called cultural intersectionality, making white, male, heterosexual, cisgender, non-poor, able-bodied, natively born, by definition, oppressors. Jesus was a white, male, heterosexual, cisgender, able-bodied Jew. I guess this makes Jesus an oppressor. Oppression is using whatever power you have to harm another. The Bible teaches that every race oppresses others. In his book, The Third Option, Miles McPherson, a light-skinned black, described his being bullied by both the white and black communities. His wife Debbie's growing up years were even tougher. She grew up in a predominantly African-American low-income community in Connecticut. But unlike the other kids, her mom was white, but her dad was black. It wasn't uncommon, said Debbie, for neighbors to throw rocks through their windows, causing shattered glass to fall on them while they were in their beds. Every human on planet Earth has used his power at times to harm others. That harm is called oppression. It is exhibited by the privileged class and the oppressed class. Oppression comes from human sinful nature. Now the works of the flesh are evident, writes Paul. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. Next, critical race theory teaches a foolish view of truth. The degree to which you are oppressed gives you the moral authority to make truth claims, according to CRT. The degree to which you were born into one of CRT's oppressor categories delegitimizes any truth claims you make. 
This is silly. No one actually lives this way. If you have a stomach ache, you don't find someone from the most oppressed group to get their opinion about what is wrong. You go to the doctor. If your car breaks down, you don't find the person on your block with the highest intersectionality rating, the number of oppressed groups he belongs to, to find out what is broken about your car. Such folly is from the world of academia, which is disconnected from reality. Furthermore, the critical theory definition of oppression turns the loving action of being truthful with someone on its head. Critical theory advocates see practices like discipleship, leadership, correction, and reproof as sinful assertions of power if the speaker's identity group is among the oppressors. The Apostle Paul was clearly an oppressor for commanding Christian wives to submit to their husbands, identifying homosexuality as sin, or saying, if a man does not work, neither should he eat. At the same time, CRT excuses sins like jealousy, envy, anger, hatred, bitterness, unforgiveness, when they occur by the so-called oppressed. We need to help the believers we're responsible for see this biblical analysis of this view. But sharing this analysis in the public world of ideas might be casting our pearls before the swine. I think arguing against critical theory in the public arena would be better done this way. Here are some thoughts about responding to your diversity training in your organization at work. First, it is persuasive to affirm the intentions of those who see value in the message of critical theory. Christians can affirm this intent to oppose racism and oppression of minorities. It's also correct to affirm that Jesus came to overthrow oppression. In fact, this might be a great opportunity to say, you know, he did, but Jesus didn't teach the oppressed class, the Jews who were under the military occupation of Rome, to rise up and overthrow Roman oppression. Instead, he challenged his followers to consider their own racism toward the Samaritans, the Gentiles, tax collectors, and so-called sinners, to look into their own hearts, to see their own hostility and feelings of superiority toward others. Jesus taught that condescension and mistreatment of others are symptoms of a disease of the heart, sinful selfishness, a refusal to love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus' answer to oppression was changing the hearts of his followers, empowering them to live out his kingdom values like that set forth in Matthew seven twelve, part of the Sermon on the Mount. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Second, you might ask, have you ever considered the way critical theory does not match reality? I mean, do you think Abraham Lincoln was a racist? He was a white, male, heterosexual, cisgender, Protestant, and born in the USA. According to CRT, he has almost the highest possible intersectionality rating as an oppressor. CRT is a view from academia that makes no sense in reality. Or we might ask, an estimated 27,000 almost all white males from Pennsylvania died in the Civil War to free African-American slaves. Would you call them racist, privileged oppressors? According to CRT, they have a very high racist oppressor rating. I don't know about you, but I just think that this class warfare perspective from academia just doesn't make any sense when it comes to reality. 
Do you think there might be blacks who are hostile towards whites? Feminists who are hostile toward men? LGBTQ political activists who are hostile towards the straight world? Of course there are. Because hostility toward those outside your tribe is a matter of your attitude, not a matter of your class. The CRD paradigm just doesn't match reality. Third, critical theory's inciting of class warfare has a long, well-established, destructive history. Here are some facts about the way politicians have often stoked the fire of anger over oppression for their own political gain. Vladimir Lenin generated the Bolshevik Revolution in 1917, manipulating workers, peasants, and soldiers into class warfare by portraying the wealthier kulaks as their class enemies, leading to the large-scale slaughter of kulaks. Joseph Stalin continued to play on class envy, manipulating the oppressed into blaming the kulaks for their unjust wealth and land ownership. Marx's oppressor-oppressed paradigm led to the slaughter of 20 million Russians. Mao Zedong gained political power through the promise of a just utopia. In the name of justice, Mao's Red Guard slaughtered millions of factory owners and landowners who they claimed were oppressing the masses. Pol Pot is a revolutionary whose egalitarian utopian ideology resulted in the loss of over 2 million Cambodian lives, 25% of the Cambodian population. The atrocities of these regimes were accomplished by stirring up rage at injustice for the political gain of Lenin, Stalin, Mao, and Pol Pot. It might be worth saying to your secular friend, you figure this out. Which is more likely, that the CRT narrative that is being advanced today is because it's true or because someone is trying to manipulate you and me for political gain? Finally, because critical theory doesn't see the problems of poverty and racism correctly, it leads to diverting resources away from the real problems. The problems in our cities are much more about the breakdown of the inner city family than about structural racism and white privilege. Critical theory obscures these real problems so much that real pain, real brokenness don't get addressed. Black pastor Vadi Baucom observes the way the tragic Michael Brown shooting in Ferguson, Missouri, by Officer Darren Wilson, was used by CRT advocates for their purpose of inciting class warfare, black Americans against the police establishment. By the way, I'll give a link in the show notes, but the subsequent FBI report revealed that Wilson had ID Brown as the one sought for a convenience store robbery earlier in which Brown had physically intimidated the store clerk. Brown had reached into Wilson's cruiser fighting over Wilson's gun. Brown was not shot in the back, but was coming toward Wilson. There was no evidence that Brown's hands were raised. I'm going to close with these comments from Black Pastor Vadi Bauckham. He says this, As someone who grew up in drug-infested, gang-infested South L.A., the son of a single teenage mother, I look at the Mike Brown situation, and I want to say to all of the young black boys like him, who are young black boys like me, we can't live like that. To all of the fathers who are not there, to the tune of nearly 75% among black children, what I want to say is, We have a problem that needs to be addressed. We can't live like this. We have to deal with this. There is brokenness here that has to be addressed. There's brokenness that has to be fixed. But the way things stand now, 
That sounds like blaming the victim. Do you know what that means? That means that whatever pathologies there are that need to be addressed, don't get addressed because it's the system's fault. To summarize this episode, part of God's creation design as protectors means knowing what false ideas are coming into the hearts of our loved ones and teaching them to take every thought captive and expose those ideas to God's word. This calling is urgent because most of those in the rising generation of Christians want to reject any vestiges of racism, thus they are falling for an ideology whose understanding of oppression and its cure is dangerously wrong. The challenge of identifying critical theory assumptions in our offices, schools, universities, and social media is made easier by realizing that this class warfare view is rooted in classical Marxism. It just foments anger toward cultural oppressors, the cultural hegemony, instead of Marx's economic oppressors, the capitalist bourgeoisie. This mistaken worldview completely misunderstands oppression and its root cause. Basing its assumptions on a divisive view of human personhood that feeds identity politics, critical theory roots oppression in class identity, defining its own politically correct categories of those being oppressed and those doing the oppressing. Instead of understanding that using power to abuse others, whether through simple backbiting or executing someone, has happened by all classes in all societies. Oppression's cause is the fallen human heart. An alarming part of critical theory is its irrational view of truth, claiming that truth claims of those who have been most oppressed are more legitimate than those in the oppressor group. When arguing against critical theory, it might be best to first affirm the joint effort to end oppression, especially racism. Second, to help others see that CRT does not correspond to reality, being a theory invented by academics who are removed from the real world. Third, that CRT has a proven ideological history of destruction being used by political leaders to manipulate others through class warfare. And that fourth, CRT diverts energy and thinking away from real solutions to black poverty and violence in our cities. For further prayerful thought, number one, as you have seen aspects of critical theory being promoted in your experience, why do you think that Christians might unthinkingly buy into it? See your show notes for additional questions. Today we begin a new feature inviting you to email me, garyagle at forgingbonds.org, with pushback, questions about resources, other resources, or additional ideas about how to help Christ's men better be equipped for their mission. Today's podcast, as all podcasts are, is available in printed form on my website, forgingbonds.org. Also on the homepage is a link to an index of past podcast series and episodes that you might want to listen to when you have a chunk of free time. This index link is also in the show notes of every podcast. Next week's message as we continue our series, Helping Christian Men Build a Biblical Worldview Like David's Men of Valor, is entitled Thinking Biblically About Tolerance. Thanks for listening today. If you are finding these podcasts beneficial, please think about how you can help us build up every Christ-following man into men of valor. 
by letting other Christian men know about this podcast.